This is the Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. Today's topic is going to be St. Catherine of Bologna's uh, seven principles of spiritual warfare. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen. All that I am. All that I have and all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. 
In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Now, the background of St. Catherine of Bologna, um, honestly speaking, because I try to be a man of my word um, and not speak upon things, that I really don't know. Um, there is another St. Catherine, and I'm not talking about St. Catherine of Siena. I think it, um, this St. Catherine is uh, St. Catherine of Genoa. And I'm not sure if the person who posted the quote um got the wrong saint or not. I'm I'm not sure. Um if Saint uh the, the these these quotes attributed to Saint Catherine of Bologna are actually Saint Catherine of uh Genoa. But in any regard, even if they're two separate saints um these principles are um they're they're uh they are true catholic spiritual warfare principles um and just tossing this out here for those of you who are interested enough to do the research you could always google or uh, Wikipedia, St. Catherine of Bologna. But anyway, this is the quote, and it's, it's in the thumbnail. The reason I'm including it, I'm reading the quote here, is because on certain platforms, I guess, the thumbnails don't show up. So for those of you who uh, are able to see the thumbnail, It'll be right there. And for those of you who can't see the thumbnail, I'm just going to do the quote for you. Whoever wishes to carry his cross uh, must take up the proper weapons for spiritual battle, especially mentioned here. The first is diligence. The second is distrust of self. The third is confidence in God. The fourth is remembrance of his passion. The fifth is mindful of one's death. The sixth is remembrance of God's glory. The seventh is the injunction of sacred scripture following the example of Jesus Christ in the desert. And this quote, once again, is attributed to St. Catherine of Bologna. I just wanted to give my 10 cents, or for those of you who disagree with me, my two cents, about the seven principles enumerated. The first one, diligence. When she's talking about diligence, Obviously, she's talking about in the spiritual life. And 
because some people may not know, when she talks about diligence, she's talking about attention to detail. Now, since service in the military is no longer a requirement, it's an option, um, in the U.S. Army, when I served back in the 80s, uh, and I've mentioned this several times throughout my previous episodes, they pounded into our head attention to detail. And just like in the military, if you go to war, attention to detail, and I don't care if, if you're a squad leader or the greenest private in your unit, in times of war, attention to detail will absolutely save your life. It will absolutely save your life. For those of you who are American, who happen to know any vets, ask them about attention to detail. And I'm almost willing to bet the majority of those vets will say if they're combat vets now. I'm not, I'm not talking about talking to some guy who was in a combat theater. There's a difference between the guy working behind the lines and the guy who actually is running patrols in enemy territory. The guys who are actual combat vets will tell you attention to detail is essential when when you're in combat. It's the same thing in the spiritual life too because... Uh, Spiritual combat is the same as, as actual physical combat. The second one is distrust the self. In, in my Mental Mori episode, uh, one of them, I talked about how one of the major um, heirs of modern day society and culture is... The idea that you have to rely on yourself in your day-to-day existence. And if you're if you're um, if you're attempting the, the spiritual combat, if you if you haven't gotten to this point by now. I promise you at one point or another, you will come to this point where um, you will realize that you're not capable of changing your spiritual self. You can't, you can't, um, you, you will learn that Without God and his blessed mother's help, you know, if if you have a particular sin that you're uh, enslaved to on your own, you can't fix it. You need their help. Now, given my own circumstances, um, the way my life has gone, I knew when I started getting serious about my Catholicism that 
there were certain sins in my life that I absolutely needed and still need, by the way, never goes away. Um, our Lord and his blessed mother's help overcoming. And some of the sins are particularly stubborn, but as I said before, part of the part of the concept of distrust of self is realizing if there's a particular sin that's a monkey on your back, it's always going to be there. And that's where the concept of holy gratitude comes in. Because if you get to the point where a particular enslavement to a particular sin is no longer a major issue in your spiritual life, holy gratitude keeps firmly in your mind that number one, you could always fall back into it through your own rebellion. Or two, to thank our Lord and his blessed mother and the saints for the help that they have given you. And another aspect of distrust of self, those of you who may be longtime listeners, um, and those of you who are new, this is for your benefit. The reason I always hammer home before you start the spiritual life, you need to take the four temperaments test. And once again, it's in, I believe the book that I use is listed in one of the show notes in my original podcast, St. Longinus's Baptism. So, but before you can embark on the spiritual life, you have to know, you have to know your strengths and your weaknesses and what particular temperament or temperaments, because they can be mixed, um, what, it, what, what, what temperament you are. The book that I use is um it it gives the strengths and the weaknesses and the things that if you're a particular whatever temperament you're strongest in you should work on and just to throw it out there because I know that people are basically lazy if you want to know which book I'm talking about I I've got my email my contact email for this podcast that you can send me an email to. If I get the email, I will email you back with the name of the book and where you can get it. But, and just as an added, an added idea, when Jesus, um, I'm, uh, when, when he was talking to his Jewish audience, I believe it was in the gospel according to St. Matthew, he talked about counting the cost. Doing a spiritual inventory is part of what he was talking about, about counting the cost. Let's just, 
use the example of you're a video game addict and you're all wrapped up in video games. Now, it could be any particular sin. Oh, well, video being a video game player is not a sin, but if you're spending 12 hours a day playing video games and you're intending on becoming a true Catholic, it's definitely a weakness. But let's just say you're a video game addict and you spend the 12 hours a day And, you know, playing video games. Part of doing the spiritual inventory, Lord willing, should bring you better knowledge of your strengths and your weaknesses. And part of calling the cost is, is if you're being completely honest with yourself, and that's another, thank you, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus. That's another aspect. You have to be completely honest with yourself with no delusions of any kind. And the kind of delusions I bumped into, at least on the interwebs among set of contests, is grandeurs of delusion. That somehow they're, you know, because they park their butt in a pew one Sunday a week, if, if they're blessed enough for that, that somehow or another they're the next coming of St. John of the Cross. That's ridiculous. But anyway, self-knowledge is the key. And if, if you remember the quote that I'm referring to where Jesus talks about counting the cost, and I've also mentioned this in previous episodes, he tells his audience that if you don't count the cost, and he used two examples, of building a tower and going to war, and I think the going to war is a more appropriate metaphor for what I'm about ready to talk about because... um. The spiritual life is spiritual combat. And he talks about how if you're about ready to go to war with an enemy general who has 40,000 troops and you have 20,000 troops, he counts his cost and then he goes and makes peace with his enemy because he realizes he doesn't have the strength. In other words, to make it more digestible. If, let's just say, you're, you're, you're addicted to video games and you spend the 12 hours a day into um, playing video games and you decide to take up the spiritual life, if you come to the realization that, well, I love my video games. I love the 12 hours I spend playing video games. Then you decide, I can't, I can't do the spiritual life. You know, this, this particular um, weakness, I like it too much. 
I like it too much, and the Catholic Church doesn't, in your mind, implicitly tell me that it's in any way bad. And so you decide not to take spiritual life because you'd rather embrace your weakness than break with it. This is what I always talk about, the concept of making compromises with the world. Because I don't think I've mentioned this, but when we make compromises with the world, what we are in actuality doing is making compromises with our own selfish nature. And I can't stress that enough. When we make compromises with our own selfish nature, we are making compromises with the world. Um, I don't remember the name of the author who wrote the book, but the title of the book is The Flesh, Sin, and the Devil. I believe it's by Bishop George Hay, but I'm not exactly sure. But I I consider that book, and it's it's less than I want to say 150 pages, because I finished it in like a couple hours. Um, it's the basic primer to anyone who's interested in strengthening themselves spiritually. Or as we say in the military, taking the fight to our enemy. So that's the second principle. The third is confidence in God. Now, before you can have confidence in God, you have to understand divine providence. And if you don't understand the concept of divine providence, you're not going to get far in the spiritual life. I've said this ad nauseum, and it's true. At the end of the day, what you need to realize is that whatever happens in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, has already been ordained by God from the beginning of time. So, um, taking it upon yourself to fight whatever evils you feel you need to fight, um, if you're trying to do this on your own, um, of, of your own will. In other words, if your will is not united with that of our Lord and his blessed mother, you're going to fail miserably and you are going to be, um, as St. Paul puts it, you're going to be shadow boxing. Now, he didn't say shadow boxing, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to reach people where they're at. You're going to be shadow boxing. In other words, you're going to be beating the air with your fists, but you're not hitting nothing. <clears throat> 
And part of the confidence in God concept is, is that even if, if you feel like your world is coming down around your ears, part of having confidence that God is realizing that he's ordained this for your spiritual betterment. It is up to you to take the initiative of submitting yourself to God's will and his graces that he will give you. Because he does give graces for you to, you know, to withstand the storm. The fourth principle is remembrance of the passion. This is kind of a, there, there's two aspects of this. The first one is, is reading about the, um, not just reading the Bible about our Lord's passion, but also there, there are excellent saints' writings about the meditations of the passion. And it, if you do this, it'll give you a better understanding of what our Lord went through so that you would get a chance at heaven. The second part of it is, is the more you meditate upon his passion, I mean, this, this, this fourth principle in and of itself, there have been saints who have done nothing but devote themselves to meditations on our Lord's passion. It's that deep. But it gives you a better understanding of our Lord's love for us. And it also gives you an understanding, and this is the bottom line, that whatever you've been through up until present time, whenever you hear this, is nothing compared to what he went through. And part of holy gratitude is realizing no matter how bad your life has been or is, if Jesus Christ went through his passion so that you would get a chance at salvation, you owe it to him, if nothing else, out of a sense of gratitude and duty to try to um, ask for his help to, to get you through your trials and tribulations for his sake. Now, ultimately, ultimately, um, it is also for your sake in the sense that it's going to help you, Lord willing, get to heaven. But the most important sake is for God's sake. The fifth principle Mindness of our own, or I'm sorry, mindfulness of our own death. That's the whole concept of mento mori. It's, it's a theme. Actually, everything, all the principles that were enumerated by St. Catherine of Bologna, 
are themes that have run throughout both my podcasts. But the concept of mental mori is the mindfulness of your own death. Um, which is why I started this new segment. And there's nothing to be added there. The sixth principle is the remembrance of God's glory. Now, in keeping with being honest about my own weaknesses, I myself forget or if I don't forget, it kind of seems like an abstract concept sometimes of God's actual glory. And for those of you who are longtime listeners, I don't remember if it was in the St. Longinus' podcast introduction or if it was in the episode about when I used to be a Protestant. But one of the errors of Protestantism and... For that matter, since the Vatican II Council is a heretical council, it's, as I never get tired of saying, a Catholic facade over the Protestant heresy that they treat God, and by the way, I've been Vatican II sect member too, they treat God like he's, He's the guy that they drink a beer with. You know, um, some people, uh, they have a routine, and I've experienced this. I had a good friend who used to tend bar, and where he tended bar was close to where we lived. And there were, there were certain regulars that they had a routine you could set your watch that at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon, they were going to be at the bar and that they had a particular drinking buddy. And they would, both of these guys would park themselves on a Friday afternoon at 4 p.m. and just shoot the breeze for however long until they either got too drunk or you know, they had other things to do and they had to leave. One of the errors of Protestantism and by extension the Vatican II sect is they treat God that way, like he's a drinking buddy. And even when I was a Protestant, this left me cold. And I gave the example and the, ch- the first Protestant church that I was baptized in, um, they, they were all about the holiness. They were all about the holiness. But then during the service, because of this particular church, and if you're not Protestant, you're not going to get this. And certain Protestant churches, they give the... Um, P 
people in the pews a time to give a personal testimony where um, they will talk about how, well, such and such happened and God helped me to get out of this. And at my church, when people would give their testimony, one of the pastor's um, I don't know how to put this. One of his trusted guys, after the, somebody would give a testimony, he would say, "Oh, let's give a big round of applause for Jesus. Let's give let's let's give Jesus a round of applause, like he's some sort of celebrity or talk show host or guest on a talk show." And it left me cold. Because even in my ignorant pagan state, it just seemed to me like um, I the only the only expression I can think of. The British used to have, back in the day, an expression called, well, that's bad form. Oh, that's, you know, and basically they would say that when somebody out of ignorance would do something disrespectful. Now, remember what I just said, out of ignorance, they did something disrespectful, they'd say. Well, that's, that's bad form. So the glory of God is realizing. And by the way, everything on all the seven principles enumerated by St. Catherine of Bologna in and of themselves are deep and multi-layered. But part of the glory of God is realizing he's the author of time and space. He 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 knows he knows you down to your most um your most minor molecule he 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 knows you on a subatomic level and while we are supposed to be friends with god we're not supposed to treat him like our secular buddies out in the world. We are required to treat him with the respect and love and honor that is due to him as the most supreme being that there is, period. And then the last principle, the injunctions of sacred, sacred scripture following the example of Jesus Christ in the desert. Now, to this, I will also add, take it for what it's worth, my own two cents and say, 
the Sermon on the Mount, the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 5 through chapter 7. But I would say that the remembrance of Jesus's temptations in the desert is the base, the foundation, and then the Sermon of the Mount is the second layer. The second layer of the foundation. Now, for those of you who may not be aware, in the book of St. Matthew, after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, he went out in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan tempted him. Now, there's a whole thing about, you know, did, did Satan know that he was trying to tempt God? Personally, I, I, I don't treat Satan like a dummy. So I don't think he knew at that time. I don't think he knew until the resurrection. But once again, this is just my theory. And I'm not going to go beyond that because that's not the purpose of this episode. So anyway, so he goes out into the desert. And I believe the first temptation, because he's fasting. He's fasting. And, you know, 40 days. And Satan comes to him and he's like, well, if you're hungry, turn these these stones into bread for um God says and that's 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 this is why this is the basis because Satan depending on the person will take God's word and concepts and twist it to his own advantage to try to trick you into doing something that you're not supposed to do you know, and most of the time it's out of ignorance. But he told Jesus, he's like, well, if, if, you, if you truly are the son of God, um, you know, turn these, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus turned it around on Satan and he gave scriptural principles of God in order to refute, refute, refute Satan. And he said, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone, meaning that you're not supposed to worry and by the way, his temptation in the desert and the Sermon of the Mount are interrelated. But when he said this, this uh, quote from sacred scripture, what he's basically telling the devil is, is we're to do God's will and nothing else. We're not supposed to be worrying about anything else. And that includes things in our day-to-day -day existence. Um, 
The second temptation Oh Oh no Okay yeah the second temptation thank you mother mary and lord jesus thank you very much um the second temptation was he satan took Jesus to the top of Solomon's temple. And Solomon's temple was the highest point in all of Israel. And he told Jesus, he says, well, if you're really the son of God, jump off this, you know, the top, the pinnacle of the temple, because it is written that the angels will not allow you to dash your foot. Probably massacring a quote, but goes something like that. And Jesus said to Satan, he said, you shall not tempt the Lord our God. Meaning, you don't put yourself through impetuosity or self-will in dangerous situations if you can possibly help it. Now, obviously, anybody who's read their Catholic history, if the pagan government decides that you're a thorn in their side and they arrest you and they tell you to recant or die and you tell them to go pound sand, it is God's will that you become a martyr for the faith. And then the last temptation. The last temptation. And this is why this principle is so important. Because Satan takes Jesus to the the top of one of the mountains in Jerusalem. And he says, bow down and worship me. And I will give you dominion over all the kingdoms of this earth. There's a reason why the true Catholic Church calls um, Satan the prince of this world. And that principle hasn't changed. Him and his minions are now running this world. And if you don't get that very simple concept, I fear for you. I really do. But he told He told Jesus, bow down and worship me. And this also goes down to carnality and worldliness. He says, bow down and worship me and I'll give you dominion. And Jesus being God knew that number one, Satan didn't have that kind of authority. But number two, he didn't need Satan's permission. He was ultimately in charge and he knew it. But he told Satan, I'm going to add my own little thing here. He told Satan to go pound sand. And what he told Satan was, you shall worship the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart, and all your soul. And that's what ultimately 
told Satan, and you got to remember, Satan was one of the chief of the angels before he fell, that he, he basically was whipped. And, you know, he was messing with the wrong guy. And so he left Jesus. And after Jesus went through that, the angels came down and they ministered to him. Um, my understanding when they say ministered to him, they worshipped him, you know, because he's God, but they also tended to, because he was human at the same time, they took care of his bodily needs. So, these are the seven principles of St. Catherine of Bologna, spiritual principles. If you've never heard of these principles, and I've heard these principles enumerated, however, until I came across this quote a couple days ago, I, I'd always heard the different principles enumerated by different saints. To my knowledge, this quote attributed to St. Catherine of Bologna is the only quote that I've come across, and I'm not claiming to be an expert or nothing, that in, in one paragraph enumerate the principles of the spiritual warfare. So anyway, thank you for your time. Thank you for your time and patience. I'm praying for everybody. I would like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. And you take this for what it's worth. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye.